0: Welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Today's guest is Lisa Cowan. She's the Executive Director of the Tamarack Recovery Center here in Winnipeg. Tamarack has been serving our community for nearly 50 years, offering community-based treatment and support for alcohol and drug addiction, as well as aftercare and transitional housing to help their clients make a lasting change in their lives. I sat down with Lisa Cowan from Tamarack Recovery Center to talk about her work and the modern context of addiction in 2022, the stigmas that continue to surround community-based treatment, and what the average person needs to know about people going through recovery. Thank you for listening to the Because and Effect podcast. My name is Nolan Bicknell and I'm now live on, well not live, but on location at the Tamarack Recovery Center. I'm speaking with their executive director, Lisa Cowan. Uh, Lisa, thank you for joining us on the Because and Effect podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So we're going to be talking about who you are and what you do. Um, But maybe for people who haven't heard of Tamarack, give me a breakdown of what your organization is and does and your, your mandate.
1: You bet. Well, Tamarack has been in this community for 47 years very quietly in this community for 47 years. Um, We're just located in the West Broadway neighborhood. Um, We're a treatment center that uh, provides uh, residential treatment to males and females um, for between about 60 days to 78 days. And, Yeah. As well as a comprehensive aftercare program too. So people stay connected for many years afterwards if they want to, or they graduate the program and they get on and live their lives.
0: Most programs like this in 2022, you hear the word holistic a lot. It's Mm -hmm. sort of a full encompassing every aspect, mental health, physical well-being, all of that, all of the above. Uh, You've been in your role for 12 and a half years. How has, how has the approach to recovery changed over your tenure?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, For as long as I've worked at Tamarack, um, even as a counselor, uh, and then when I moved into the ED role, we've very much been like a, a very participant informed. Uh, Organizations. So if there's something that's um, that could be improved, if we realize that there's a need to be met, that is certainly something we've always worked towards. And I think the nice thing about Tamarack is because we're small, there's not that same level of bureaucracy that you would get in a larger system or a larger organization. So when we determined in 2014 that um, dialectical behavior therapy, which is a very skills-oriented um, type of work um, would actually and has shown real evidence um, being effective with individuals who are looking to recover from addictions when we sort of determined that that would be effective with our participants we went all in and and created a a part of the program that is very DBT informed Mm -hmm. Um, we've also even just down to you know Fixing up the homes, their old homes, their like turn of the century homes, and um, fixing them up, making them feel like a safe and welcoming space. It is
0: very, it's a good vibe, yeah. you know. Yeah, like when you come in you. here, you just, get, yeah. it feels comfy. Yeah, it feels comfortable, and that's probably yeah. a pretty um, necessary part of recovery. You know, you, know, it's it's uncomfortable to be. Um, In those situations for sure
1: it's a big enough step right to to even acknowledge that you have a problem that might need to have an intervention beyond something that you could take care of quietly behind closed doors right Right. so um, we want people to feel welcome we want them to feel safe Um, And so having a space that feels as close to home as possible, I think is really valuable.
0: So I saw you walking when I was walking my dog yesterday. We're in the sort of same neighborhood. Yeah, Maybe just talk about the community here and how important it is um, for recovery to feel that sense of belonging to a community and not just, you know, separated from everyone else. And and how Mm. addiction can often be a very separating experience. And it kind of makes people... A retreat a bit. So, uh, just talk about that that yeah. element a bit. Yeah,
1: no, that's a really good point. And I think, um, like I said, we've been in this neighborhood for forty seven years. We had the house next door for a while um, before we were able to purchase this one. I think back maybe in the eighties. Um, so. All of the participants who've come through Tamarack have at some point or other been part of this neighborhood. And and it's a family neighborhood. I mean, it might be close to downtown, but it's very, very alive with lots of different groups of people. We've got a daycare across the street. Um, We've got like shops, everything. Um, And I think that's really important for our participants. They don't want to feel like they've got to um, hide away because the neighborhood feels unsafe, Mm. um, but nor do they want to feel like, the neighborhood doesn't welcome them because it's got a different um, demographic or what have you.
0: It feels as though, like, my experience and my best friend has gone through a recovery program, the 12 Steps, and we talk a lot about shame, and we've talked Mm -hmm. a lot about, like, the detriments of shame and just growing up with so much, I mean, I'm going to call it propaganda of, like, don't do drugs, you're a criminal, you're a bad person, blah, 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 and all this stuff. So when people are seeking help or know that they need help, they feel such a shame to admit that they do that they would rather retreat and just sort of do drugs alone rather than, than tell someone. Right. So maybe just talk about how your approach with, with your participants, um, how you sort of try to break through those shame barriers and, and, and get through to people when they have such a, Mm -hmm. potentially have such a shame for what they've been doing and, and how they've been living.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a huge, barrier to people even seeking help Mm -hmm. so even at that moment say when somebody makes the phone call and it's after hours they're not going to necessarily reach our intake counselor but they're going to reach one of our residential care workers and from the minute they can even say hi to them then instantly it's going to be like we want to support you how can we help what questions do you have all right let's pass this on to our intake counselor yep we'll set that up and the the intention is just really like hey we, we want you here. We want you to feel like this is a safe and good place. And and genuinely, I know it might sound kind of hokey, but genuinely, like when people show up at the door and it's a new participant, we're like, oh, great. We've got somebody new today. Oh, let's go meet them. Because like they're a person we want to get to know. Um, so the the hope is that over time, and it's not, we don't expect people to instantly feel like Oh wow, I can I can let all my barriers down. Mm-hmm. I can let my guard down and feel really great. Um, but over time that generally is what happens. And it might take a couple weeks, it might take four weeks, it might be like in the last couple weeks before they graduate. They're like, Oh, I get it now. Now I now I trust this program. Now I trust you guys. I, I see what all the, the fuss was about when I came in earlier and people were like, You're gonna love it here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, it, it can take time for individuals. That's hard. It's hard to trust. Especially you know?
0: after years and years of hearing one narrative about Addiction and, and substance abuse and, and, and wherever they're coming from. man. Yeah.
1: yeah. And the piece around like, you know, well, you got yourself into this mess. You better get yourself <laughs> out of it. Right. And that the idea that it's an individual who's got to fix themselves so that nobody else is hurt. And and I think we're moving. I, I hope I hope we're moving more to a direction where it's like, no, no, no. This is a this is a community issue. This is a more than one person issue. And, and we can all be part of the the healing and we can all be part of the recovery after the healing too. My
0: personal journey has been a lot. I feel like most of the conversations I've had, maybe people who have listened to all the episodes have heard this topic come up a lot, but just sort of the uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality and thinking that I, everything I did, I did by myself and everything you did, you did to yourself. Mm -hmm. And, And there, there seems to be just this mentality, this disconnect of not understanding that we're all like teachers, friends, family members, um, extended family, all contributed to who I am. And Mm -hmm. the disconnect for me seems to be some people just think that I had it tough. I grew up, I did everything on my own, but it's like someone taught you to use a spoon. Someone taught you to wipe your ass. (laughs) Inappropriate, but you know, someone taught you to do everything and to think that you did everything on your own is a weird mentality. And I think. To be able to understand how to belong to a community, you have to understand that everyone's in this together and nobody is successful on their own and no one is, you know, no one falls into addiction on their own either yes. right so yes. i mean how are those conversations taking place with with new people and with people who have been here for you know almost yeah. the two full months have do they learn that is is that a converse, topic yeah. of conversation
1: yeah well it's certainly it's it's definitely one of the underlying sort of principles in in our philosophy of how we work is moving definitely from like that individualist mm. western kind of approach to more of a collective like hey you can talk to any one of the staff and, and you can, without obviously asking super personal things, you can probably find out a fair amount of their own experiences too. So it's not like um, you're, the, you're the patient and we're the people in the know. It's like, hey, we're, we're all in this together as well everybody here at Tamarack is in some way on their own journey, whether it's um, in recovery from substances, whether it's from um, complex trauma as a child, whatever, there's always a way of like kind of being able to engage and connect with the participants in that way. But I think there's a a really significant piece that we recognize around that sort of shared living. So Mm -hmm. people are moving in here. They are typically sharing a room with another individual. They are expected to go to group morning and afternoon, expected to have their suppers together. We have supper passes, um, as well, but for the most part, it's very much of a, of a shared environment. And we try to model it on like a healthy family. Like what would a healthy family do about this? How would they approach this struggle or how would they approach this situation? Because again, not everybody's grown up in that environment where they can be like, I can still be myself, as part of something bigger. It's like, no, um, I'm either ostracized or I feel like I'm only like doing this for me. Yeah, um, there's that belonging
0: yeah. word that yeah. keeps coming up. We're, we're going through our vital signs right now. right? And yes. that word ju- it came up in 2017 as a big part of what, what we need to focus on. And it just seems like that word in almost every sort of miniature industry within the philanthropic sector, belonging seems to be sort of so important and, and something that I don't know if we've shifted away from it recently or you know like just with all the technology and with the with the covid situation everyone's on zoom it's felt a lot more disconnected so Mm -hmm. now that the restrictions are starting to go down i mean we're still not out of it yet but how has what was covid like maybe for you and then how how are you going to be changing things moving away from from it
1: yeah yeah um, was
0: it crazy (laughs) it
1: well, you know what it was it was tough because Mm. in all our 47 years we've never had to until that moment had to say oh gosh we can't we can't provide a service in this capacity right now Um, and it was a really tough decision to make but we made it sort of uh, early March when the numbers like when we started getting reported numbers in Mm -hmm. the province Um, and And we had about six individuals in the home at that point, and very carefully worked with them to ensure that A, they had somewhere safe to go, and B, they still had a way of connecting with us Mm. through that um, process. You set up like a line or something? Yeah, we also, so we had, we had like, um, very specific kind of engagement with those individuals around like providing them their continued counseling and connection and whatever. And we set up a a group email between the staff and those participants so we could still all engage with each other. Each other um, but we also set up um, what you might call a warm line um, for anybody in the province who wanted additional supports information about addictions and treatment and they would just email us and um, and then we would set them up with one of our counselors so again it was another way of keeping our our people our employees engaged yeah. like those who could be Um, And also still acknowledging like it's an isolating time. Addictions Mm -hmm. is isolating at the best of times. And then to add that additional component, very hard. Yeah,
0: exactly. So what this is, I can't imagine, you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to go to school for something. Let's go to one of the most emotionally devastating, you know, the recovery space is not easy to work Mm. in. Why did you choose to go down that path?
1: Yeah, I, it's funny like um, when people ask that I'm like that's it's it's a hopeful space it's not mm, it's, okay, it's so not a challenging space yeah. but but I'm in a very privileged position of where we are at Tamarack we we're working with individuals who have who recognize I need to change mm even though i may not feel quite ready this is really scary this is really difficult i'm here and i know that's what i'm here to do right that is so hopeful. that's maybe like far less emotionally exhausting than say working on the front lines so so I can get your point right, about, right, you know, right. in some fields, that's really challenging. Yeah. Um, I, I entered the therapy field thinking I was going to be doing um, drama therapy. Mm. And I trained in England. And um, when I moved over here, canada i don't think had necessarily caught up to the states or the uk with things like drama therapy can music you explain therapy. what that is
0: that? oh oh like yeah oh.
1: so so just like in the same way that people will use music to maybe elicit emotions help people work through things add an extra component to explore or to express how you're feeling right. it drama would sort of plug in in a in a very similar so way so it's
0: almost like um, you pick a role or like you can you can practice you you be this person I'll be you almost and you can kind yeah. of do role playing Absolutely. like that or something there's yeah. there's like
1: rehearsal opportunities mm. in there for skill building there's like working through really tough situations by saying things that maybe you didn't get to say to a person in a situation prior having another um,
0: conversation where that you're holding you know animosity or something yeah Yeah, absolutely
1: and then there's a sort of a, a playful element where it's like you can take on roles that you may have never never played in in your everyday life but even just in doing that you can actually appreciate that there's more to you than it would be the, the box you've necessarily put yourself in, or being right. put in by other people, so you can sort of start to get a better sense of you as like your identity. See what far. you're capable of. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I had never heard
0: drama therapy before, yeah. and I love. I've heard music therapy, obviously. That's right. So yeah. is that more of a European thing, or yeah, like? Yeah,
1: like when when I trained, I trained uh, with my degree as an arts therapist with mm. a specialty in drama therapy, but cool. also like did some art therapy and what have you, and then. Um, Yes, yeah, so then I did my master's in drama therapy, moved over here after getting married to Winnipegger. Nice. And then tried to sort of get work with this more unusual yeah. qualification, um, which led me to private practice, then working in a, an organization with um, women providing longer term therapy, mm. and then moving to Tamarack as a counselor cool. so no I never thought I want to run an addictions treatment center um, that's what I'm going to train for because honestly even even for the first couple of years after I applied for this role and got it I still felt a little bit like a fraud mm. like in the sense of like I'm not a leader this isn't what I, I know what I I know what I can bring to, to people in the counseling space but as a leader, that was a real, that was a, that was a real piece of growth for me, right? So yeah. Realizing.
0: That's in the moment I'm I like I'm just turned 37, so I'm feeling like, actually, I know some things now. I have yes. some men, you know, I could maybe be, a, you know, whereas before I was like, no one wants to listen to me talk or anything I've learned, but now I'm starting to realize like, okay, I, I actually do have some mm-hmm. things that are, you know, skills. You mentioned uh, j- sort of the all women's recovery center, and I know Tamarack is a mixed center. Can you you just mm-hmm. talk i i had greg kylo from the bruce oak recovery center on earlier in this season and it's a all male um center and there's pros and cons for for both but i just want want your perspective on like having a having both men and women mm-hmm. at the center and, and what that dynamic is like and some of the pros and cons of that
1: sure yeah and i mean it's 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 unusual in the sense that we're one of the very few organizations that will have like mm. the co-ed um, facility. It's what I came into. So it, in a funny way, it's sort of what I have what I know. Mm. Um, and, and I've seen it work tremendously well in the sense that there's a lot of individuals, both males and females, who... In in their history may have had um, traumatic experiences or um, less than healthy relationships with somebody from the opposite sex Mm. and to then be in a setting where it's like hey no we're we're gonna you're gonna live together in as best a way as possible we're gonna help you with the skills to do that we're gonna have some really safe boundaries in place Mm. to make sure that that um, you're not, your safety isn't in jeopardy. Right. But this can be a real good real life practice. Reintroduction opportunity, almost. Opportunity, yeah. right? Cool. And for some people, it can be the first time that they've had a healthy Relationship with a member of the opposite sex that that is truly about getting to know them as a person, mm. not about what they're going to do for them mm-hmm. or how they appear, um, sort of superficially or what have you. Yeah. But you know, it's not without its challenges. Um, we've got a lot of safety measures in place. We always show our participants like where the cameras are mm-hmm. and the rules around like you can't uh, go into this participant's room or mm-hmm. that, whatever. Yeah. Like all of that. Boundaries. Part sort of piece? <laughs> yeah. Pardon me. Boundaries. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's not to say that things don't happen. But if, if they do, we're, we're really as, as quick as we can to sort of deal with any potential issues, even potential sort of wonderings about, well, we just want to have a conversation. Yeah. This is how it might look. We understand if that's not the case. Right. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: How has the conversation changed when you're just out and about talking about Tamarack and hearing some of the... Um, maybe preconceived notions that people might have about addictions and recovery. How has that changed over the past couple decades versus in 2022, people's understanding and attitudes towards your work? How has, has there been a change? Has there been a shift? Are people growing and learning? Or is there a regression? Where where are we at?
1: I would say there's been a change in, in awareness. And, and it's sort of, it's going to seem like sad, but, but maybe true that I think it's that piece of, at one time addiction sort of was more in in the shadows mm. and you maybe only were were touched by that if you you or a loved one experienced right. that i think now because some of the effects of addiction are are spreading out because we're not tackling it in the way we need to now people are getting their wheelbarrows stolen and people in the in quotes nice neighborhoods are are seeing like oh wait who's that oh this i've got tents down by my house what's going on here and so now people are are seeing it as a problem that actually is touching them and my hope with the from awareness then comes more of a desire to understand and then from that a desire to do something Action. about it Action. absolutely So
0: million dollar question. What is, what can we do right now? Because I, I, every time I walk glory, I see the encampments. I taught, I, you know, sometimes I bring strawberries and Gatorade and just, Hey, you guys all good. Like, okay, good. Yeah. But what's the like long-term short-term how, what, what do we do in Winnipeg? Cause, and it's not even just Winnipeg. It's everywhere in the world. Like Absolutely. I've seen videos in California. I've seen videos in Texas. I've seen videos in Vancouver. I've seen videos yeah. in, on the East Coast too. So it's like, this is a new, I don't know if it's the pandemic that has caused this this. Uh, increased in in frustration and division and and mm-hmm. this lack of belonging in, in people but like what is the solution do you have <laughs> a million dollar question but like well, what what would you say
1: yeah and you know what and i can answer the solution with my executive director hat or i can answer it as lisa right yeah. because you know some of some of my personal views and values may not necessarily always be exactly the same as as what an addictions treatment mm. center with more of a um, abstinence-based philosophy would have but i i'm i think like there's a there's a bunch of stuff there's housing huge because i think the minute if we say well we need more detox and we need absolutely we need all of that right but that is working on the assumption that everybody out there wants to do something differently they might not yet you know and that's a bit it's kind of arrogant on our part to say okay well we'll just get you into treatment you'll be good um but safety like Tamaracks, that's our one of our like most important values is safety. And mm-hmm. I think if you can make decisions through that lens first and then look at the, the other pieces so like how, are, are these individuals safe? Are the people around them safe? No do they need somewhere safe to live? Yes yeah. um, beyond that then can we can we facilitate better pathways mm. when they are ready when that tiny window of opportunity is open? Can we facilitate better pathways? We need to do that. We need to have ways for individuals to move through the mental health and treatment, like addictions treatment system effectively and not be lost at a certain point. And then the other more controversial piece is like, I truly believe we're tripping ourselves up in criminalizing so much of this yes. and, and not having safe ways for people to access um, substances if they need a safe injection site let's do that like yeah. that so those are the pieces where I know like not everybody is on board with that but we have got to get comfortable with being more progressive we have to yeah. as, a, as a city
0: it, and you, I, it's, it's, it's encouraging seeing the progression of, yeah. you know, drugs used to be that, that's not an armed, you you don't need a guy with a gun coming to deal with someone who's, you know what I mean? That just yes. kind of, that just sort of escalates situations, totally. right? Yeah. Um, you mentioned safe, the word safety a lot. How do you feel when you see the, the conversation and you see the, the concept of safe spaces, um, almost mocked and like, poo-pooed and you know just uh, like insulted, you know, mm-hmm. when when that should be such a fun. I mean, it's a privileged position when someone thinks like, oh, the kids in their safe spaces and whatever. Yes. But like, yes. how do you feel when you see sort of safety being mocked as an as a necessity for people when mm-hmm. you're in the business of creating safe spaces, literally?
1: Yeah, yeah. well, it's it's frustrating for sure. <laughs> um, and and I just I mean there's there's a part of me that wants to get more judgmental but i do think you're right it, it's the people in the in privileged positions um
0: who have been safe they, most they of are, their whole lives. absolutely <laughs> yeah. you
1: know and and i just think more people need need the opportunities to to connect with individuals maybe from a, a different walk of life you know expand their minds a little bit like for the most part I, i'm from i i'm in a privileged position I'm working full time. I have a home. I have those things. And and I'm just very very fortunate that people are are generous and open enough with me that I I am able to to hear mm. the stories of individuals who who aren't in those same positions and it's like come on let's give our heads a shake people
0: it's impossible not to empathize when you're looking in someone's eyes right? and having a conversation right? but yeah. when we're so disconnected and it's all through social media and everyone's oh, you wow. know yeah. you know i think that that's sort of exacerbating the the disconnect no that kidding. we have with people yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. why i
1: don't like social media <laughs> are you are <you're> not on <laughs> I any of it? No? i am not on any of it i i've live. only only signed up for a facebook account to join our mm.
0: aftercare
1: um little closed Facebook group and and that's I have nobody I have no friends and it's fine it's a very (laughs) comfortable place to be yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: what would you say just to the average Winnipeg or Manitoban or Canadian who um, doesn't think this work is necessary?
1: Well, my my straight, my knee jerk reaction was come sit with me, Mm. (laughs) come to Tamarack, come have a chat, come, come talk to if there's a participant who would be willing to talk to you, or if you want to talk to some of our staff who've who've gone through this, like, come and see that, that change is 100% possible and not only change in the sense of like, yes, we graduate 85% of, of any individual comes in, we, we, can, we graduate 85% of them, but change after graduation, mm-hmm. the change where people are going into their lives, where they're able to raise families, where they're, they're going back to school, or they're daring to apply for a job that they didn't think they were worthy for, or whatever it might be, um, and seeing that the, the long-term mm-hmm. change.
0: It's incredible. You introduced us when we were on that tour a couple weeks ago with one of the participants who then became a staff member. That's right. Is that a common occurrence? Is that kind of part built into it? Or Are you trying to, or what's the? Is that just a ad hoc kind of a situation?
1: Well, we we have about thirty percent of our staff team are Tamarack graduates. Awesome. Um, We have, and this was another thing, like back to your early early question about like how have we changed in the last ten years, like we've really built up the aftercare program component mm. staying connected um, again, yes based it was always barrier free in a sense of like you you can come for as long as you want um and pop in as, as often as you want but we've added additional components um such as our mentor program so that individuals if they want to give back to tamarack by helping a care worker on shift then after a certain number of volunteer hours we'll send them for, say, first aid training mm. or nonviolent crisis intervention or something that would su- would support them in their continued growth and in, in wanting to go back into the workforce. Hireable skills. Yeah. Absolutely. So some of those individuals who come work for us have been mentors as well. Incredible. So, yeah, it's really nice. I mean, how, how wonderful for a participant to come in and then get to hear, like, don't worry, I was here. I, I get it. Yeah. I know where you where you're at, and or have a good enough sense of where you're at, and I know what Tamarack's like. And
0: my yeah. best friend, said, the, the sponsor, sponsee situation. Right. Um, yeah. He talks about how like you can't you can't BS someone who's been through recovery, right? right? And it's so funny to hear that's like right. him now being the mentor and and taking people under his wing and being like, mm-hmm. people are using the same excuses on me that I used to try to yeah. use, and I back in the day thought it was so clever and so smart, and I'm like, that's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. it's yeah. It's cool to see the the circle, the full circle, absolutely with people. Yeah. What's what's uh, what's the most rewarding part of this job for you?
1: I I think it's it's the piece of seeing um, seeing change, seeing people actually believe that something is possible, mm. seeing that possibility, and 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 seeing that sort of grow as they as they stay longer at Tamarack, like in the program, and then actually begin to almost like you know have hope that wait, I might've been to this many treatment centers before, but Mm. this time it really does feel different. And this time I can see this happening. And so we see it with our participants. I love it when we have aftercare participants, like just out of the blue ring our doorbell we haven't seen them for three years and they've come back and they're introducing us to their partner and their baby like stuff like that where i'm just like that's where it feels like much bigger than oh you were here at that time oh right i I think i remember your name too oh my gosh how are you doing and so that's that's really wonderful and and that same sort of growth like in in our staff team as well Mm -hmm. like they we're not really a team that like stasis too much like generally people are wanting to develop things develop themselves move move around within the organization mm-hmm. so it's it's great. Yeah. Can
0: you tell me about the uh, the painted rocks that are in the living room oh, and, yeah. and everything like that? Because yeah. we got some great photos from you for the for the magazine, so
1: I Excellent. just want to hear a
0: bit more about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So again, this was something that was just it just evolved in in a very sort of easy way um, as part of uh, the participants' stay. They have a graduation ceremony that's been in place since I started as a counselor and um, as part of that ceremony as well as them receiving a certificate and getting to hear from the participants and the staff about like their hopes moving Mm -hmm. forward about what we would like for them or things we noticed while they were in program the growth we've seen um, they also get a chance to talk about their experience Mm -hmm. of treatment and part of that is even being able to um, paint a rock with whatever design name color whatever they like and talk about the significance of that and then they leave that little rock behind as a representation of them leaving a piece of themselves behind. So one of the things we did when we were temporarily uh, closed for COVID was we took all of the rocks that we had and we set them out all outside, took different photos, had them all framed in the house. So we wanted art on the walls but we wanted something meaningful and this just totally. They
0: pop. Yeah. Yeah. And talk about art therapy, right? Like, right. There you cool, go. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So at the end, or before we get to the just because segment, one more question. What, what is 2023 look like for recovery in
1: Winnipeg? Yeah. Wow. That's a really good question. Oh, I want to be hopeful. I do. I do. There's, there's, you know, there's frustration, of course. Um, I, I really would like to see the organizations who have been, Providing this work consistently and steadily, and yeah. making huge impacts, I I want to see them recognized. We're in that group. We're not the only ones.
0: Heroes of the pandemic right. and beyond.
1: Right, absolutely. When 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 people are um, are struggling because funding is not forthcoming, when it hasn't been forthcoming for a considerable time, that's that's really demoralizing. Yeah. And you know, when staff are looking at what what they're earning and what other organizations are paying so demoralizing like we have people who are here for more than the money it has to be in this dist- industry yeah exactly yeah. you yeah. still have to eat you yeah. still have to be able to get yourself to work and back whether it's on transport or whether it's on like a bus or whether mm-hmm. it's car whatever um my my hope is that that will be recognized and and we can all feel like validated in, in the work we're doing.
0: I think it's, I mean, it's obviously my own social media bubble and all Mm -hmm. the sort of groups and people Mm and, and apps that I log into. It's, it's my own sort of bias that I'm being fed back to me from the algorithm. But I do think that there is just this, every conversation I have, it's not just online. Like when I look people in the eye and have a conversation, they realize how the world has kind of been a little bit, askew when it comes to our priorities as a as a community and as a culture and as a country and i think the we're shifting a little bit back away from the the individualistic mentality and more into a community mindset so i'm hoping (laughs) i am i too am hopeful but (laughs) who knows you know you never know uh so at the end of our time together we do this little segment called just because all about the causes you care about and the effect that it's had on your life. Mm-hmm. You okay to go through those seven questions Absolutely. with us? Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So what is the very first cause you ever remember caring about?
1: Okay. So can I be full disclosure that do people know that you send the questions be- to me beforehand? Yeah. yeah. So this has been like, honestly, a really fun, um, Exercise. opportunity just, just to consider like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, what was that? What? And you know what it was, um, I think it was called friends of the earth.
0: Okay. And en- environment.
1: Yes. Okay, yeah. Yep. And, and the, and I looked this up last night to see, if, to, to see that I was like remembering it right. And it was called the British union, uh, against vivisection B U A V and vivisection is like this really, really fancy word for animal testing. Oh. So when I was like 16, 17, that was, that was my thing. I remember me and my friend, we had badges that said rats have rights. Wow. Yeah, I know we were, we were, super into that that was when i became a vegetarian amazing Um, kept that up for like seven years um but yes definitely those those were the the causes
0: that that's like uh that's a not radical but i can see kind of a punk rock you know that's a
1: that's cool yeah 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 i had doc martens they had daisies painted up yeah yeah (laughs) amazing yeah
0: (laughs) so question two if money politics and logistics were no issue at all you could just snap your fingers and something would happen what's Mm -hmm. the first thing you would do uh in support of your current cause
1: Uh, Well, pretty much like backtracking to your question, like safe spaces, safe Mm. housing. I would love uh, like the the idea of that one stop shop, but not necessarily Mm. in a big uh, clinical building, but more like, wouldn't it be awesome to have like, you know more of a neighborhood vibe where it's like, okay, well this place is the detox. This place has the the ongoing counseling. This place has um, some aftercare programming. This is where the individuals live. It's more integrated rather than separated. Absolutely. Well, like, you know, um, the models say in Denmark where they've Mm. got these facilities and it's um, on the main floor, it might be a daycare on the next couple floors. It's um, seniors living and what have you. And then there's students and living in the other facilities. So it's that idea of like, we're a society. We yes. shouldn't be segregating, you know, seniors into one place, kids into yeah. another, whatever.
0: Um. Well, I think to addicts or, you know, not... Addicts were equated with criminals, were equated with mm-hmm. negative mm-hmm. things, right? And so the, the, the very fact that we treat criminals poorly is a whole different conversation, course, yeah. right? Yeah. But just everyone's a human. Everyone deserves to be treated as a human. And just because you did something that might be considered improper or whatever doesn't mean that you're a you're a write-off for the rest of time right and it's just this crazy mindset we have that people are defined by the by their decisions that they wouldn't even make if they could again today right and and they're just stuck with that so it's a weird sort of a human I don't know if it's human or if it's just the way Society has sort of guided us into this direction, yeah. but yeah. yeah, sorry. I went to, no, I heard a little no, wrong. But right I, I agree. <laughs> I've, I've not
1: really seen evidence that shunning and shaming yes. a person is going to prompt Improve. change that's no. meaningful. Exactly. However, like people feeling part of and integrated and like, yeah, like our participants. Well, in fact it was one of our neighbors when they came to an evening where we were just talking about the development of our newer facility mm. And they were commenting how, you know, they've always liked that our participants would say hi to their dog and chat and what have you. And it's like, yes, that's that's what we want, because it's just like that's a community.
0: Yeah, exactly. This question might lead into or continue what we're talking about now. But what's the biggest misunderstanding or the biggest stigma about addiction in 2022? Um,
1: I think, you know, one that's pervasive and... um, and pretty damaging is that change might happen, but it won't last. Mm. Um, like, what's the point? They're only gonna go back out and use. What's the point? And I think there is validity to the fact that it's it's not a one and done necessarily for some people yeah for others it can be like great they do well in treatment they need the ongoing support afterwards they need the mental health they need the employment they need a stable place to live right right? Um, so when people see individuals maybe going back in for treatment or oh well they relapsed oh it was a waste of time or go down to counting their days down to zero it's like hey 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 We haven't lost anything. The the investment that was already made has already made some changes. We just need to do more with this person or we need to provide other things as well. I
0: don't like there's I listen to a lot of podcasts of either former or current addicts or where, you Mm -hmm. know, people who've been through programs. Every single one has multiple relapses and multiple. You know, that's not the end. It's just a it's just a hiccup along the way. It's just a bump in the road. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, question four what is a recent victory either personally or professionally that you can share with us that you're proud of
1: yeah well professionally we just came through Another huge visit with Accreditation Canada.
0: Right? Yeah, you're talking uh, about that. Yes, I'll you're be You're all done to, the work and everything's we're done. Good. Or, yeah, we're
1: no. done. It went really well. Um, I've got to wait until they officially stamp the report and then I can share it on our nice. Facebook page and what have you. But suffice it to say, like we did really well, and I'm so proud. And it's of been like a team.
0: years-long process, or what was the process? Well,
1: they they come back every four years. Four years, right? So there's definitely a, a process of just you know sort of re-engaging with the standards that they're looking at and what have you we're lucky like we don't just turn it out on the on the day for for them and then forget about it and then have to remind ourselves what we're supposed to do it's ongoing so it's very much built into how we operate so that was definitely a a professional um, victory and then um, yeah this last year I've run two half marathons I've never I've never done I can't even it was it was neat I've never done um any any races before but uh in May I did the the police one and then I just finished the did the one in October the fire and paramedic one and shaved off a good chunk of time and it's neat you know what in a personal way like what a neat opportunity to sort of test like to see what what you're capable of mm-hmm. or what we are all capable of and i don't think you i'm know, capable of it oh you might oh, be, you might. like honestly it was it was quite a neat thing and <laughs> i was a total nerd in following a plan and i'm not
0: seeing the progress yeah. i guess would be cool yeah yeah
1: it was kind of neat to trust trust the process and put it in you know somebody else's hands in that sense mm-hmm. right um yeah awesome congratulations yeah. thank That's you
0: great <laughs> uh question five what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been
1: given Oh, I see. This is, this is neat. So I can follow, I can follow marathon or half marathon plans, but I am rubbish at, um, at receiving advice, I think. Really? Because when, when I was reflecting on that question, I was like, what? I don't, I don't know. Because people have told me like, okay, this is the last big project we're going to do Lisa. And then I'll do something bigger or mm. Hey, run before you can walk. And right. then, uh, you know, slow down. And I don't, um, so no, I think um, uh, probably I would I would be turning to my faith if I you know mm. in terms of advice and it would be more like um, a passage I really like from one of the Psalms is "Be still and know that I am God" and I'm like okay and and it can sometimes be translated into "Cease striving" and I'm like okay that's ringing some big bells. Okay. Um, can you expand a little bit on
0: "cease striving"? Like
1: Absolutely, just-, just that idea that. Our role in the world is it's important, of course. But we're part of something so much bigger. Mm. However an individual wants to wants to look at it and wants to see the the bigger picture or or the higher power or the mm. nature being something bigger than mm. me or what have you. We're not we're only here for a short bit of time. So me, you know, gritting my teeth and, and pushing through things or trying to trying to change the outcome or trying to mm. gotcha. force something. Gotcha. It's like, just wait, sort of flow with
0: the universe. Wait, yeah. yeah.
1: I can, I can let this happen. I can do my part of the work and then the next piece is for me to trust. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah.
0: The, uh, this whole process of learning about the 12 steps and sort of giving yourself up to a higher power and, mm. and even just, it's, it, it's helped me recontextualize and reframe what the word God means. Cause you sure. know, we, I grew up yeah. with a fairly narrow definition of it. And so did my best friend who was also came up through sort of the. the 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 church system and so he had a a lot of barriers of defining what god means right and and then we we've had so many like deep conversations about it could it could mean just the power of nature and that's what you Mm. you, or or the universe or whatever it is or self you know like and and it just really helped me Within the context of recovery, the word God and just the concept of it has really helped me reframe it. And I used to be, you know, very almost like antagonistic towards spirituality and and religion and stuff. And now I'm very much more accepting because of that reframing. And I think it's a pretty cool Mm Are you guys having a lot of spiritual conversations at Tamarack? Like, yeah, is that built absolutely. into the process? Yes. Because yeah. it's kind of part of the holistic. It's not just physical, mental, you bet. emotional. It's yep. also spiritual, right? Yeah,
1: you bet. It's built into the case management, into counseling sessions, into groups as well. But but very much like we're talking about, not not necessarily one, one definition and more about just gaining this appreciation of, like it's more about perspective, hmm. I guess, not something that's really important to me. Is like, wait, wait, have I got the perspective a little, a little wonky right now? If I'm seeing what I'm doing or what I need to do as the be-all, end-all, when like, wait, wait, pull... Like pull back, yeah. and let's look at the bigger picture here. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah, it seems a lot of times if you get sort of into a shame spiral or into, or into anything, yeah. it's just you're not really seeing the fo- or what's the saying, the forest from the trees. I don't right, know how Right, that, right, right. The wood from the trees yeah. or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, question six: What advice would you give your ten-year-old self if you could talk to her?
1: Ooh, um, the picture I have of my ten-year-old self is when we lived in Winnipeg for a very short time, and I'm stood outside the Dairy Queen on Uh, I think it was on Ness or maybe Portage Avenue where their big plane is. Okay. Uh, Yeah. 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 So that's her. And I would probably say like, be, be confident, be, be good with you. Um, Yeah. I think I was quite shy um, as, as a kid, but with people I was comfortable with, I would be really playful and fun. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, and I think I would just say, yeah, keep keep that up. Dig It's it good.
0: In. Follow that. Follow yeah. that feeling.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for You're this. You're very welcome. You're so thank welcoming you. and just bringing us into the house and that tour that we went on a couple of weeks ago. And it's just so cool to learn that this is, you know, right in two blocks away from my house as well, right? Like, yes. I, it's just a very encouraging thing to think that this is happening in our communities Aww. and continuing. Thank um you, Nola. yeah, my pleasure. Uh so the last question is what do you want to be remembered for? I know yesterday you oh, were like, yes. oh, I've been thinking about That's that.
1: That's right because I truly like I was just pondering that and then I and then I saw this beautiful dog and thought that dog is lovely and then I saw you attached to the leash. Yep. Yeah. yeah
0: she, exactly. I'm attached to her. She's leading the way, but Yeah.
1: Do you know what? See where where I go with that is I had heard something, I don't know, maybe 6 months ago, a year ago. And and again, it's really it's humbling and it puts things in perspective. It's the reality is in about two or three generations, my name, my anything is is not that's not going to be remembered. There is nobody who necessarily is going to pass down. Oh, grandma used to do this and that was really nice. Right. Um, so there's there's a piece there of like, yeah. Like how I'm remembered is just going to be probably like by, by luck and the different little stories that people might tell about me to their kids or to their next kids. Mm -hmm. And then who knows? The legend. Yeah. And so it's maybe less about remembering and more. I would just love to think that my actions now will impact the people around me so that their actions will positively impact the people around them and and that's probably all I can that's all I can hope for really ripples in in
0: a lake yeah right you're the first stone and the ripples will continue
1: yep and there's been plenty of people positively impacting my life and I think that you know as humans that's probably like my opinion is that's that's what we can hope for is just to be able to move things in that way
0: Lisa Cowan thank you for your time today it's been an honor thank you Thank you again to Lisa Cowan for the conversation today. Uh, I'm really honored by the time that you've taken to just show me around Tamarack and talk to me about all the great work that you're doing here. And um, yeah, it's just been great to to learn a bit more about recovery on my own journey and uh, share it on the podcast. Obviously, we've had a few episodes that kind of revolve around this, but partly the reason why is I really think, I really think our culture and our country really... Uh, has a reckoning coming down the pipe. You know, addiction is going to be our generation's greatest issue that we have to face. And it's already started and Tamarack is doing an incredible job at helping people get through what they're getting through. So kudos to you, Lisa, and your team. Um, congratulations for all the great work and here's to many more years of it. All music on this show is produced and composed by Trenton Burton. You can find more of his music on Spotify by searching Trenton Burton. If you want to learn more about the Winnipeg Foundation, you sure can. Follow us on social media by searching at WPGFDN on all social media accounts, or by going to our website at www.wpgfdn.org. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for Because and Effect. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, not until we are lost do we begin to find ourselves. Bye-bye.